0: Spoke this morning about opposition and how the Bible instructs us to face opposition and the need to pray for courage and uh, the reality that sometimes we don't experience the Holy Spirit power the way we would like to see or the way we'd like to experience it is because many a times instead of dealing with issues which we need the Holy Spirit to help us deal with uh, in our lives. Uh, we're like those cattle that turn in the snowstorm and just kind of go try to get away from the cold weather until finally they run up into a fence and they can't go anymore. The Bible doesn't want us to be like that. The Bible shows us that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus and God's word with a unified spirit uh, that we can face the things before us. So kind of looked at how we go about facing opposition being led of the lord well tonight i actually want to talk about a couple of obstacles that we face uh, and some obstacles that uh, i know you'll face or the uh, the church will face in this next year and i want to do that uh, by going to philippians chapter 3 so go to philippians chapter 3 and we'll look tonight at verses 1 through 11 a few years ago i preached through the book of philippians uh, I believe on a Sunday morning. I, I can't exactly remember now, but uh, it's been a little while since we've looked at this book, and so tonight we just want to look at one passage from it. Now, I'd, I had gone and in, uh, in my in my notes where I had preached that sermon series in Philippians a little while back, I had written down that apparently at that time that Mark and Lauren Apple. Uh, would watch the Andy Griffith show uh, at nighttime. Brother Mark, I'm curious. Now that you have Haley Jean, do you still watch the Andy Griffith show at night? Nope. Things have changed, right? Do what? Mickey Mouse? Yeah, that's exactly. That's how it changes. No more Andy Griffith. Now he has to watch Mickey Mouse uh, at nighttime. Well, Andy Griffith, uh, if you remember this, Andy Griffith, the classic TV star, of uh, that Mayberry show, the Andy Griffith show. He, uh, in the 50s, found it very hard to find work. I don't know if you remember me mentioning that from that sermon series, but he found it hard to find work. And, uh, in fact, in his 50s, he had, he had just run out of options. And he and his wife, uh, there in California, they decided to sell their home and move back to his home state of North Carolina. So they put their home up for sale on the market, and they waited <coughs> and waited and no one gave them a decent offer. No one made them an offer. And so months passed, and uh, Andy grew very depressed. He was depressed because he couldn't find work, and now he couldn't sell his home uh, to, move, to move back to North Carolina. And then one day, uh, according to his wife, it was the Lord that did this. The Lord gave her some insight and uh, impressed upon her heart. Maybe it would be a good thing if they didn't uh, sell the house, you know, maybe that would not be a, a good thing. Maybe they ought to try to uh, save it, stay there. And uh, she told Andy, she said, I feel just led to the Lord that uh, if nobody will buy our house in the next little bit, that ought to be a sign that we ought to just double down and try to stay out here in California. So they tried. They tried, and, and lo and behold, the house wouldn't sell. And so they took that uh, as a sign from the Lord that they were supposed to stay there. And Andy and his agent began working overtime. They begin beating down the door of uh, every opportunity that existed. His agent, Andy and his agent, began to go out to, to eat lunch with people just uh, all the time just to see, is there anything out there? And he just poured everything he had into seeing if he could find work. Well, one day, the fire finally hit. The fire finally lit, and uh, you know the rest of the story. In one year, after not being able to find work at all, finally, in one year, Andy was given four TV movies and he worked on the pilot of the TV show Matlock that ended up running for nine years. Now Andy was that close and was in the process of throwing in the towel and quitting and going back home to North Carolina, Uh, but he decided I'm going to give this one more try to overcome these obstacles. Well your obstacles will be different. I've got a feeling that most of us are not going to be Uh, competing to be on television shows, the obstacles we face this next year will be different. But some of them are very dangerous, and some of them are very damaging. And they will undo the plans that God has for us, that His Word makes clear that He has for us. So turn to Philippians 3, and let's look as we roll into this next year. Let's kind of look together tonight. What are some obstacles the Lord wants us to be aware of uh, that the enemy is going to throw in our path? All right. So Philippians 3. Starting in verse one, all right. Look at what look at what the Bible says. Philippians three, verse one says, "Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord." To write the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous. He says, "Hey, I'm I'm reiterating some things here, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't wear me out. It doesn't irritate me that I've got to say some of the things again. In fact, for you, he says, it is safe." What's he want them to know again? Beware of dogs. He's got a particular type of dog in mind, not the not the physical dog that you might think of. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. These are those within the church that uh, probably even members of the church, but they're not they're not living as the bride of Christ. He says, beware of them. Verse three, for we are the circumcision which worships God in the spirit. God has cut our heart. And he's changed our heart. And so we worship God in the spirit and we rejoice in Christ Jesus. We have no confidence in the flesh. So we are the circumcision of the spirit. God has changed our spirit. We don't put confidence in our own mind, our own thoughts, our own abilities, our own reasoning, our own strength. We do not do that. In fact, we know that there are all kinds of thoughts that we can think or attitudes that we can manifest that are the opposite of what God would want. And he says, We've we've had to be cut. The Lord's had to cut on us and cut away the the the, the thinking of the old man. We're verse three again, we're the circumcision which worships God in the Spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might, he says, if anybody was gonna have confidence in the flesh, he says, I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinks that he had whereof he might trust the flesh, I more. He goes, There's nobody that could not uh, have any more confidence in themselves than, than me. Well, Why is that? Verse 5. He says, well, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Remember that? We just, in that sermon series on Sunday morning, looking at, oh, little town of Bethlehem, we learned the story of Benjamin, how his uh, mother, Rachel, uh, named him one thing, and then his dad named him something else. Well, well, you know, you know who's the seed of that? Paul is. He comes from that line. Paul says, I'm from the, the tribe of Benjamin. Hebrew of the Hebrews, is touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, I'm blameless. He says, I, I strove and, and, and I guess to some degree did keep the law perfectly. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord verse 1, Paul tells the Philippian church to do what? To rejoice in the Lord. And that command is a cry for us as well. We should rejoice in the Lord as we end 2017. Those of us who've been redeemed should rejoice as we end this year and begin the new. We should rejoice in the Lord because He's redeemed us from sin on the cross. And just as He redeemed the Israelites from the Pharaoh of Egypt's oppressive hand, he has redeemed us from the oppressive hand of sin within our own life. We should rejoice in the Lord as we end this year and begin the next because He has justified us. He has taken our sin and given us His righteousness in return. We should rejoice in the Lord as we end this year and begin the next because Jesus has endured God's wrath for us so that we will not have to. We should rejoice as we end this year and begin the next because we can pray to jesus who has ransomed us not with money but with his blood his very life we should rejoice in the lord as we end this year because jesus we should rejoice in jesus in the lord jesus christ because he has revealed to us god's perfect love if you're glad for the perfect love of god tonight say amen now it's been a rough couple of nights at the cookhouse uh, you know, the grandparents were in town. And the grandparents were in town. That meant that Ethan and Owen, moms, moms, uh, Laura's mom and dad were in town. That meant that Ethan and Owen, each night, got to swap. One of them would sleep with Grandma one night. The other one would sleep with Grandma. And for the, I don't know, five days they were here or not, they just switched, right? They just, one night, one sleep with this grandparent, the other one, that one, and they would switch. Well, it rolled around Thursday, and uh, Owen was really liking this, getting to sleep with grandparents not have to just hang out in his bed and, and when Owen wakes up we tell him to go crawl in bed with his brother now uh, leave us alone get in, bed with, get, get in bed with your brother you know and uh, he's getting kind of used to sleeping with grandparents so he told his mom he said mom I need a special night where I sleep with you well who gets booted out when he gets to sleep with her me and so he went on about this, I need this special night to sleep with you. And, and he was really, you know how Owen is. Owen was handing it up really big time, I need to sleep with you and stuff. And so Laura agreed to this. She agreed that, that he could have a special night. They'd go to the guest bedroom, and they would watch Netflix on her iPad, and they would go to sleep, and they, and they, they could sleep in there. So they did that on Friday. Well, big brother Ethan, he wasn't going to just sit by. He informed his mama that, well, I need my special night with you as well. And so that meant Owen did Friday. And Ethan did Saturday. And who's left not sleeping with Laura? Me, right? I mean, what is going on here? That's what my boys, they love their mom. And nobody, nobody probably loves Laura quite like they do. I mean, it's a unique love that they have for her. It's a unique connection that they have to her. And, 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 and they know their mom loves them. They know that their mom cares for them. You know, we should rejoice this year because we know perfect love and it's not come through a human being. We know perfect love because Jesus has loved us perfectly. So you should rejoice as you end this year and start the next. You should rejoice in the Lord because he's conquered Satan and death. He's conquered hell and sin so that you might live a life that is full of the grace of God. So he tells us here, that we should rejoice in the Lord. He says that in verse 1. Look at it again. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. But there are obstacles. There are obstacles in the way of our rejoicing in the Lord, and we see a couple of these in this passage. There's two that Paul identifies here. There's two of them. Look at verse 2 again. What's the first one? Well, it's these dogs. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. One of the real obstacles to living... A joyful life for Jesus this next year will be the obstacle of, of false teachers. And we might broaden that a little bit and say uh, there will be false voices, right? These were false teachers that were speaking into the lives of the believers. The fact is all of us will have some false voices that will try to speak into our life. It might be an unbelieving parent. Uh, it might be a brother or sister that is far from Christ. Might be a coworker that doesn't really love the Lord, but they've got a hold of your ear for one reason or another, and they are speaking things to you that are contrary to the word of God. I don't know who it might be for you, but I think most of us in life will face some voices this next year that will tell us things that are trying to teach us things that are contrary to the word of God. Here he warns the church to be careful, for there were evil workers within the church. There are evil teachers that were teaching doctrine. Uh, that was untrue. Now, as far as I know, we don't we don't have that problem with any teacher that I know about in our church. I I, I hope that's not the case, uh, but we always have to be on on guard for that. You know, it's important what uh, what you're taught and and what I teach in the pulpit and what our teachers teach our kids. The apostle Paul has to get tough because there are false teachers in the church, and what they're, what kind of dogs are they? Well, they're mangy. They're unclean dogs. These false teachers are unclean. Uh, And one of the big things they've done is they've added to the gospel. We know that, you know that, a Sunday night crowd. Most of you know this, you're very aware of this. And so many in the church at that time had added to the gospel of Jesus. They were saying, if you really want to be right with God, there's some physical things that you need to do. And Paul says, no. He says, it's not more physical circumcision that you need. It's the circumcision that Jesus has done to the spirit that counts. And that's enough now that he's come. And now that he's changed your heart, you don't need the physical sign of a physical circumcision anymore because you've already got the final thing, uh, the real deal. You've had your heart changed. Now, uh, I know some of you have been to Disney, and a lot of you go to Dollywood. We try to go to Dollywood once a year, and we go to ride the rides and to take the boys. And usually it's once a year that we go. And when we go to Dollywood, when you get to Pigeon Forge, just about any restaurant you go into, they'll have a a rack of brochures. You know what I'm talking about? They'll have these brochures. And almost every restaurant has a brochure for Dollywood. And you can pick that brochure up, and it's going to tell you how fun those rides are. It's going to describe for you how much fun you'll have if you go to Dollywood and get on the rides and uh, those are great, you know, and, and, and my kids are old enough, they, they see those, oh wow, their eyes get big, man, that, that'd that be really great, and they like to look at that brochure. But when you go to Dollywood, when you actually get there, you don't need the brochure anymore, because you don't need somebody to tell you how fun it is to ride the ride. When you get to Dollywood, you actually get to get on the ride yourself, and you get to ride it, and you get to experience it. So Paul is saying, beware of these teachers that are telling you, you got to do this, this, and this to have this relationship with Jesus. Because the fact is, you don't need this, this, and this that pointed to Jesus. Because now, in light of the crucifixion and His resurrection and the Holy Spirit that He sent to us, you don't have to have the sign that points towards Jesus. You get the love of Jesus itself mediated to you through His Holy Spirit. I ask you again, if you're glad for the love of Jesus, say amen. And it's mediated right to you right to you you don't have to have it mediated by me ladies you don't have to have it mediated by your husband husbands you don't have to have it mediated through your wives you don't have to go through some sort of elaborate system the presence of jesus is mediated to you through your holy spirit now now this is also true both these things are true it's also true that corporately the Bible makes clear when you do meet corporately like this, say, well, why do I need the church? Because the Bible makes clear that, yes, the relationship with Jesus is mediated you personally. But he is also chosen for how you experience that relationship, that it actually takes a group of people for you to experience the fullness of that. So, yes, you, you get it directly from Jesus. But in his will, he has said, I'm going to have a bride. I'm going to have a church. And so when you gather with other people, you there are some things you experience in that setting that you can't experience alone, but if you don't have it personally mediated to you, it don't matter how many people you get together, you'll never know it unless your heart has been cut and changed by Jesus Christ. Well, are you glad that we are able to go to directly to our mediator in 2018? You don't have to go through somebody else. We can go right to Jesus. If that's good news, say amen. Uh, end of... This past year, towards the end, the Reformation, I showed some films on that in my Wednesday night class. And there were two people, they usually don't come on Wednesday night, that uh, they they came to three out of those four. And both of them come from a Catholic background. Now, if you're from a Catholic background, we we'll love you, and I know some wonderful Catholics. But they came to that. And after the second film, I'll never forget, this this brother that attends our church some, that's from Catholic background, he stopped me out in the hallway after that second film. And a couple of you were standing out there when this happened. He goes, that's amazing. That's amazing what happened to the Reformation. He goes, that's amazing. I didn't know this. I didn't I didn't know this. Listen, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And, and not everything's gone the way that those Reformers wanted it. But one of the great things that happened is to that Reformation, the church was just reminded, that process reminded us as a church it's not about the religious system. It's about what Jesus did on the cross for us. And we kind of take that for granted. Because most of us, looking around this room, most of us have heard that so many times. So many times we've heard it. And I just hope in 2018 that you'll remember that these just aren't words on a page. That there is power in the fact that Jesus speaks directly to your heart. He can change you, so he says. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the false teachers. Right, be, beware of them. And uh, we know we know some of them in our day, and some of the things that they teach. And so we need to beware of this. And 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 uh, we don't judge the salvation of others. Like the Bible's clear about that. Salvation ultimately is in the hands of God. We're not the judge of that. But it also makes clear that you do judge the fruit. And there's things you can make determinations about: Is this actually of God or not of God? Is this in the Spirit of God, or is this just uh, the flesh or pride or false teaching? You know, what is this? The Bible does say you can judge fruit, and you are to make some determinations about that. So I want to encourage you next year, don't worry about judging people's final destination. The Lord will take care of that. When it comes to judging fruit, let's let's judge wisely and let the Word of God show us. We'll know these false teachers. So false teachers. Second thing he warns, second obstacle tonight is false pride. Right? If anybody had a reason to be prideful, uh, it's, it's Brother Paul. Look at verses 4 through 6. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh if any other man thinks he had whereof. Anybody else thinks he's got reason to be prideful that might trust in the flesh? I've got more. Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, the Hebrews, touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteous, which is in the law blameless now i'm gonna pick on tucker back there so tucker did you win your monterey tournament is that what i saw online you guys won so uh, tucker's basketball team they they won their tournament that they went to they came in first place all right so tucker might say i'm doing pretty good i'm a pretty good basketball player now well tucker if lebron james showed up and really tried do you think you could score any buckets on lebron if he was guarding you no none emily townsley says i can right you know i got this LeBron's the top of the game. And these false teachers, they've been going around and they've been saying, look at me and look at us and listen to what i got to say. And Paul comes along and he's kind of like LeBron James. He says, these guys are small fries. These guys that are telling you that they're at this level, let me tell you where I was at. And so Paul gives this pedigree to show them if anybody could say that they were the best according to the flesh, it would be me. But he lays that out to say, let me share my credentials with you. Circumcised according to the Jewish law. An Israelite of Benjamin's tribe, a devout Pharisee, faithful to the Old Testament law. But then in verse 7, look what he says. These things that were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, they mean nothing now. And I mentioned that Wednesday night. I referenced that verse in our Wednesday night class. Now, this probably got the false teachers riled up. Can you imagine the response when this letter was read uh, probably what happened is Paul had this letter sent to the Philippian church. From what we think, we think it was probably read publicly, and then the, then it was circulated to other churches in other places. Can you imagine, right, can you imagine, uh, this is the courage thing talking about this morning when I realized, man, I'm just like a, a a wimp compared to people like Paul. Can you imagine being in the Philippian church, and those false teachers are actually in the congregation? You have that kind of issue going on. And they read this letter, can you imagine what was going on? Can I tell you what was going on when this letter was read and those false teachers are confronted when that public reading happened and they're sitting out there in this fellowship in some way probably and they know it's them. You know what was going on right then? A spiritual battle was going on. A spiritual warfare is going on. But Paul says, listen, you, you cannot do this because what these teachers are teaching you to do is to take pride in yourself. So again, I don't I don't know of any major false teaching going on in our church that I'm aware of, but I do know in our church that it's easy to take pride, not in Jesus first and foremost, but in our jobs, in our kids. Boy, I have to check myself on that, right? Uh, jobs, kids. It's easy to take too much pride in your parents, too much pride uh, in your in your political affiliation, too much pride in your looks, too much pride in your mental capacity, your brains, boy, uh, your sense of humor, pride of like, man, I can really tell a good good joke. Too much pride in your sense of style, too much pride maybe in the church that you attend or your denomination affiliation. Those are all good things. But as we enter 2018, we've got to remember that nothing, nothing compares to Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, going to the hospital today, I was reminded again, it's soft sister Fannie Mae and then went soft sister Julie. When you're in a hospital bed and you're sick like that and you're really sick, now family matters some. And church matters some. But when you are lying in a hospital bed and you are ill and you're not sure what's happening to you or what is going to happen to you, Can I tell you there's ultimately one thing and one thing that alone matters when you're lying there? It is Jesus. It is. When people are lying there, there is a huge difference between those who know Jesus is watching me. I may be wrestling with it. I may be struggling with it. The devil may be lying to me and saying he doesn't care. But there's a difference. There really is between those that know that Jesus has got me. He's got this just like God the Father has the lily of the fields and the sparrows. He's got me. There is a difference in the hospital between the one that knows that Jesus has got them and the one that's just not sure. So today, what obstacles are stopping you? Where is it that you're putting your flesh? Verse 8, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, know Him and know what else, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings. Again, the tie into to this morning, the reason that these early believers so needed the Holy Spirit And I believe one reason the Holy Spirit showed up for them in ways that we often feel like is lacking in our life is because he is praying here and saying, I I want to know what Jesus knew in his suffering. And Paul would, and Paul did, from the beatings, uh, from being rejected by the Jews, just as Jesus was. Paul knew these things, but Paul also experienced the Lord in a way that most of us have only dreamed of. We've been saved, we've been circumcised in the heart, we've experienced that. But if we experience the power of the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. One thing I worry about Sunday night people, uh, because that'd be the kind of person I am, I worry about Sunday night people sometimes. uh, I worry that sometimes we've been in so many services that we forget what it was like when Jesus first gripped us. Some people lose their knowledge, uh, experiential knowledge, of what it was like for Jesus to grip them because they give in to sin, right? And they, uh, uh, maybe they turn to alcohol and they become a drunk. Or maybe they begin to chase women and they begin to fulfill their lust in that way. Or maybe chase after men or, or engage in some kind of sin. And some people lose their love for the Lord because of fleshly sin that they get involved in. Sometimes Sunday night people, they've lived long enough and, and they still battle up here with some of those type sins, but they've said no enough to some of those things that some of those fleshly things probably aren't going to get them. But you know how the devil can get the Sunday night crowd and get me and you? is we can hear it so many times that we forget it's not just words. It's a power of a Holy Spirit through those words that changed our lives one time and wants to change you in 2018 to be more like Jesus, just like He changed you the first night you ever gave your heart to the Lord. If you want to experience the power of Jesus this year, say amen. Now this is the truth of the matter. What we experience in 2018 will largely be driven by our Sunday night and Wednesday night people. That's just a fact. It's going to be people that are dedicated and people that are dialed in and people that that are more than just showing up for a service. That's going to be what drives us. And so my prayer tonight for Sunday night, Wednesday night people, people that come to Sunday school that 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 are invested, my prayer is this year that the Lord Jesus will use his word and reawaken in some of you what it means to stand with the Apostle Paul and to say, I count it all but lost. There's only one thing I really want in 2018, and that is to know Jesus more. Boy, if that'd be a good thing, say amen. Be good. Lord, I pray right now for the people in this room. Man, Lord, I'm a a blessed pastor people have come back on new year's eve they're not out getting drunk they're not out partying lord i believe these people are here tonight because they love you lord god i look around this room tonight and i'm just aware that you've got a remnant you've got a group of people The lord sometimes some of us that are a part of that little group that tries hard to do the right things lord Sometimes we just get caught up in those motions, and we get caught up in the grind, and the religious stuff just becomes one more item we check off. Lord God, I I ask you tonight on behalf of these people, Lord, I love our whole church, but Lord, I ask you tonight on behalf of the people that are in this room right here, and for each one that's here, Lord, I ask you tonight, Lord, in twenty eighteen, would your Spirit move in their hearts? And Lord, we awaken them to the power of your salvation and who you are. And Lord, if their love for you is growing cold. Lord, I pray that it would be rekindled this year. God, I ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Let's see. So let's sing one song. Let's let's sing tonight.